Well, as we, uh, we head into, you know, we're 15, 14 days into 2024 now, and we've been talking about doing His will. Doing His will, we had a series called that, and there's some things that I just, you know, want to keep covering on that, but as we talked about this going into, the, into December in 2024, we were just talking about focusing on the will of God, focusing on what He has um, planned for us and made for us to do, and so we're going to continue on some of those things this morning. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Hebrews 13, 20. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. In verse 21, the NLT says, May He equip you with all you need for doing His will. May He produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to Him, all glory to Him forever and ever. So may He equip you with everything or all that you need for doing His will. So what is it what we want to do in 2024 and always? We want to do His will. If we're a Christian, we ought to want to do the will of God the Father. That's why we're still here. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not, it's not about our plan or purpose. It's about His plan. It's about what He wants us to do. That ought to be our heart. That's the will of God for us. That, you know, look at other scriptures we've been talking about. That that's His will. So that we ought to line ourselves up with His will. You know, there's so many distractions and there are so many um, different philosophies and uh, activities and organizations vying for our attention on the earth. So much, so much noise. And so we need to have the attitude. It doesn't matter about all that. I want to know what the will of God is, and that's what I want to do. That's what I want to spend my energies on. Sure, we have things that we need to do in the earth. You know, we... we uh, most of us, we go to a job to work so that we can live. We ought not to be going to do something to serve that, the, the job. We ought to be doing the job so that we can serve the Lord. And that ought to be part of what, if, if, if we, we followed Him, we ought to say, well, what is it, Lord, that you would have me to do? And so I'm doing that, not just, just picking something, you know, off of the internet, well, this looks really fun. I'm going to do this. We ought to be looking to him and saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? What is your place for me? What is your purpose for me? Because you have a general purpose, and then he may have you doing something that, of course, we need to eat and live. And he knows that, but he, it all works together. So he's going to have us doing, uh, doing whether it's a vocation, uh, whether it's other activities, it should all be subservient uh, uh, to what He wants us to do. It, it ought not to be. There's no end in itself. On the earth, for the Christian, there is nothing that you should say, well, I'm going to, yes, I serve God, but I also do this. It ought to be, I serve God, so everything I do is underneath that umbrella, serving Him and doing His will. Now, we said that that looks different for different people. Not everybody, God has not called everybody to do the same thing. 
He's not called everybody uh, to live in the same place. You know, you're, you're connected. You should be connected with a local church where you believe that's where the Lord would have you to be uh, connected, and, and you ought to run your race with those individuals. Um, but not everybody's called to the same place geographically. Not everybody's called to the same vocation. So we need to go and, and seek the Lord on these things and say, okay, what do you want me to do? You can't look at what somebody else is doing to determine what you're doing. You can't do that. That's not a thing. You can't go and say, well, I like that. I'm going to do that. What did God ask you to do? Then you do that. Now, that means you can't learn from somebody. You can't say, what did you do in this situation? Well, you know, you had this path, and I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm endeavoring to follow the Lord, and you could ask somebody else and just be having a conversation. How, how did this look for you? What did you look? You, you could learn some things, or God could quicken some things that they said to you that would apply to your path and that you could get on the right place, but you can't say, mm, I like what that person's doing. I'm going to do that. I'm going to look at the Bible. I like, hey, I like that. I'm going to do that. You can't do that. I mean, you could do that. You'd be wrong, and it won't turn out well, but people do it all the time. God knows more than we do, and He knows what we need to do. Now, if we really believe that, we can give lip service to it. If we really believe that, then no matter what He says to do, that's what we're going to do. And everything that we're doing should line up under that umbrella you know, of, of what He told us to do. So why are you doing this in your life? Well, because it, it falls under that umbrella, and this is part of, of um, serving that, that uh, plan that He's told me. Now, He's not going to tell you the whole plan, but what you know to do now, everything in our life should be aligned with that or in the process of being aligned with that. Yes. You don't have to change everything today, but you, we ought to be seeking the Lord and knowing this needs to change. Okay, there's some things you can't unwind in a day. You know, you've been doing something for a long time, and you say, I really need to be doing this, and I need to be going over here, and my kids need to be doing this. What you need, we need to get the process in place for that to start happening. It may not be something that you can just make a decision, you know, at 5 o'clock on an evening, and it's done by 6 that evening. But you're in the process. And then we ought to just see if we th see, them, see some things that are out of line, we ought to just get them in place, start them moving, and then you just keep that process going your whole life. You're always just, you're keeping in tune with the Lord. What do we need to do here? What do we need to do here? Do, is there something I need to adjust? This was good for a while, but now I, I, I sense that I'm doing this. Now, God's not just zigzagging all the time. He can call you to do one thing and then another thing and another thing, and, you know, that's not God. But as you are going on his path over time, it's, it's probably going to grow, look different, change, modify a little bit, you know, but it's kind of like you're, if you're flying across the country, there's just course corrections that, that, the, that you're doing constantly, you know, the, the planes don't just go like this and then zig this way, they, they're just constantly making course corrections to where they get to the right place. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to help us to do that. So he's going to equip us to do those things. He's not going to equip you to do something else that he doesn't want you to do. Now, you can use the abilities you have to go and serve something else. People do it every day. But God's not going to help you do that. He's not going to help you disobey him. Not going to help me disobey him. That, you know, there won't, he, he has, he's merciful. He'll work with you. 
but he's not going to help you hurt yourself. On the other hand, he'll let you do what you want to do. Always has. Don't mean it's going to go well, but he'll let you do it. If we're stubborn, if we really believe he's good, though, and he knows more and his plan's good, then why would you do that? You're not going to do that. You're going to say, whatever you said, I don't care what it looks like to me, I'm going to do it. So let's look at uh, Ephesians 5.15 this morning. It says, see that you see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Which category do we want to be in there? You'll be the fool or do you want to be wise? I think we all know. It's the latter. So don't act as fools, but as wise. So then the next statement is wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And the NLT makes it a little bit more clear. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. In the Amplified, verse 16 says, making the most of every, or making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. So use the most of your time. Act like those that are wise, recognizing, it says here, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity. The Bible calls that wise because, you know, we know the the days are evil, that we live in an evil world. We understand it's getting more evil. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, make the most of every opportunity. Use your time. Use it the way God would have you use it. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, One person wrote this in a a book talking about this. Make the most of your days, not wasting time with stuff that doesn't matter or that doesn't last. Doesn't matter or that doesn't last. There's a lot of stuff that we could spend time on, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of stuff we could spend our time on. It's not going to last. In other words, it's not eternal. It's not going it's not going to be around for the long haul. But you could spend your time doing it. That doesn't mean everything you do has to be of this grave just solemn approach and you can't do anything fun and we can't relax because all that should be done. God has fun. God the Bible said he, he, created, he created creation and then He rested the seventh day. He, God instituted the day of rest before there was any law, and God Himself did that. That means he, he, he stepped back from what He had done and stopped. God instituted that. We're not above that. We need a day of rest. 
We need, yeah, Jesus is a rest, we're in rest, but people, you know, can get out of balance to say, well, I'm just going to go all the time. That No, again, we're not talking about the law. The law was instituted after the count of creation, so it predates anything. You can get legalistic about taking the day off. You can also just do what the Bible said. And rest. It's tough sometimes to do that. You don't have to raise your hands. Tough for some people. Some people said, I don't know, not tough for me. Fine. Everybody has a different way of looking at stuff. For some people, it's really, it's hard to stop. It's hard to put stuff aside. But we need, anything we do is not just I, just doing it. It's, it ought to be with the purpose. Why would you take, in this instance, a day of rest? Why would you stop? Because you want to keep going. Because you want to be... You, you want to be um, effective in what God has called you to do. And this is not a sprint. Life is not a sprint. And you see people sprinting all the time, acting like they're going to be able to keep that pace forever. And a lot of times people, they don't. They're going, going, and then they're gone. Too soon, too early. Or something else blows up. It would just, you know, so it's not it, every task, you know, you can have fun. We can have fun with our, uh, you know, people we love. And that ought to be under the umbrella of we're using our time to do what God would have us to do. Jesus had fun. He ate with people. He, he fellowshiped with people. Now, if all we do is sit there and, you know, eat and have fun all week for weeks at a time, for the whole year, years at a time, we're out of balance. But there's times why all these things we're going to, we, we are going to put them under what God has asked us to do, and we're going to use our time. We should be asking ourselves, not again in a legalistic sense, but we ought to be continually asking ourselves, and you know, we're at the beginning of the year, it's a good time to do it. Should I be doing this thing? You know, it's the quickest way to redeem some of your time is to stop doing stuff. You know, you can optimize things, and we should look, you know, do things as efficiently as possible. Again, none of this is legalistic. But you can just grab a whole chunk of time by stopping, you know, stopping something that you shouldn't be doing anyway. Boom. Just got that hour back. You know, you're slaving trying to do something else faster and faster and shaving off two minutes here and just trying to get faster, and you know you're wasting an hour at a time, three days a week on this other thing that you don't need to do anyway, you could redeem that just by stopping. Well, how are you going to know that? You've got to be led by the Lord, and you've got to look at the Word of God. If it's telling you, of course, not to do something, don't do it. But everybody has a different pathway, you know, a different call, and so we need to be looking at what God has said and making the most of our time. Don't waste it on stuff that doesn't matter or that doesn't last. A good way to determine what, what uh, things fall into those categories or what things don't fall into those categories is to ask yourself continually, what would my future self say, whether it's a five years ahead, 10 years ahead, 20 years ahead, 30 years ahead, is this going to matter then? Will I be happy I did it then? And right like that, it'll answer so many questions. This pressing thing that you know you want to do, but 
It, you're having trouble making time for it. And then you put it, you ask yourself that question. Say, nope, it's going to matter. I'm going to wish I would have done it. Well, you just, there you go. Something that you're spending all this time on, you ask yourself, am I going to care about this? Is this going to really matter to the kingdom of God and to what I'm doing in 30 years? Nope. Okay. Well, sometimes you're just doing stuff that, that we have to get done and we don't really want to do it. Well, we need to ask ourselves, do I need to keep doing that? And start doing the things that are really going to matter. It's sobering sometimes. You know, you realize you're pushing off things that you're not going to always have the opportunity to, to do. I mean, I have that opportunity in 10 years. You know, somebody not in your life anymore or something. You know, you look back, wish I would have done that, and then you do it, and then you look at all this stuff, can't even remember the stuff you did. That's sobering thought. We don't want to get legalistic or sad. See, God's not sad. Talked about this a little bit just at the beginning on Wednesday. You don't need, don't get depressed. Don't get too somber. God's not that way. But, you know, you think about something and you say, yeah, okay, maybe I need to adjust something. But God is not down or somber or uptight about stuff. But again, we can look at stuff and realize, hey, I'm going to have more joy and peace and be able to walk in what God has for me if I make these adjustments. There comes a point where, yeah, we may think about stuff and realize I got to make some changes, but the end is always good with God. He's always, he, he's never down, you know, on, on people. If, you, if, you, if we'll fall into line with what He wants us to do, then, then it's all good. It's only when we resist what He wants us to do. And so we see, you know, again, why would we hold on to something and do stuff that, we, that He doesn't want us to do? Well, there's something that's got a hook in us. And we can look at it and go, I really don't want to stop doing that. I really don't want to start doing this other thing. Well, then we located ourselves. Now we can ask God, help me. Show me. Help me. But we want to emphasize the fact that just asking the question and just looking at uh, what we do through this lens is already a huge step toward uh, acting the way God would want us to act, or, or I should say using our time the way God would uh, have us to use our time, because it's truly wise when you submit your time to God. When you start looking at it through that lens and stop looking at it through what the world says we should be doing, we've already taken a step to true wisdom. Look at Psalm 14, verse 2. It says, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Notice he said, if there are any that understand, who seek God. And Amplified, it says, The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, act wisely, who truly seek after God, longing for His wisdom and guidance. God's, God, it's saying God is looking to go, is there anybody that actually understands what's really going on? How would you know that? You would look to Him. You know, there's a whole lot of people don't even believe he exists. But you can't act in wisdom then. Not, you're gonna, that, that if, if, if we're in a state, any individual is in a state where they don't believe God exists or they don't, uh, whether they don't believe he exists, don't put any importance on him, they're not going to 
act like uh, they need to do anything for his things, they're going to say, well, they're going to take their guidance from something else. And you, we realize that this has been going on for millennia, that mankind does, its own, does their own thing. And it changes over time that people, this is the best thing. This is the new thing. You know, get on Instagram. This is what you should be doing. And this is our new philosophy. And then, you know, all these comments. The, the, the. And you can look at it and say, that they may not have had Instagram 50 years ago, but the same thing played out. You know, they got books or whatever. You know, this is what we ought to be doing. This is how we ought to spend our time. And this is the new thing. And go, go, go. Well, if you step back and say, how is that going to end? Does that line up with the Bible? Does that line up with how we should be spending our time? Because when you step back, you can listen to people that are, you know, they, they may be getting certain results for a period of time, but they don't even understand. They haven't looked at the long game. And they may not even think they're subject to it. You guys realize there's a lot, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they think they're not subject to what everybody else is subject to, that they've cracked the code. Not, and especially the younger people are, they don't have the, the, the benefit of being on the earth enough. They somehow think people that have lived longer just didn't know, and they got a better way of doing it. Well, how are you going to know? Either way, old or young, you're going to have to put it up against the straight edge of the Bible to see what's true. Because there's nothing new under the sun. I don't care that we have so much technology. I have a background in technology. I understand something about it. It doesn't matter. People are still the same. They just use technology. The same stuff that people do, they've been doing. It's just they're doing it on a screen now or they're doing it interacting. But, you know, we were, I was looking at something. You know, when I was growing up, you know, in the 80s, uh, we would pass notes in between people in class, you know, we would write them and we'd fold them up and pass them to somebody else and, you know, secretly and, you know, we're just talking, communicating in class. Well, that's texting. We just didn't have phones. But kids are doing the same thing. What I had, you know, we had a physical landline phone with a cord to the wall and then get a cordless eventually. But, you know, you, that we, we would talk to our friends on so the mechanisms change. People the same. And people, we got to be very careful who we're taking our guidance from. I, it, there's no man that can give you guidance. It all is from God. People can say what God says, but ultimately, we ought to be following Him. Whether it's me, anybody else, you don't follow a man. You can follow men in the organization, men and women in organization, but ultimately you're following God, and what you believe is that you're together with other people because that's God's plan for you. And then you should follow people in that sense, but you're not listening to somebody's philosophy then that isn't based on the Word of God because those will fail. Why do you want to wait, be somebody else's guinea pig to see if it actually works when you got God's Word and you can just know it works, that it's been there for all all time that it's the truth and that it will bear up un after the dust settles. Because <clears throat> this is the first time we've been through this life. It's not the first time people have lived on the earth. <laughs> we understand that. 
but sometimes we act like we don't understand it. We're going through this life for our first time, but there's how many people that have gone before us already walked it out? Well, God has seen all that, and in His Word, He's laid down what we're going to need to do and not, and what'll matter and what won't matter. Uh, Psalm 39, verse 4. It says, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Now, this is, don't get this out of context. Go, oh, well, you know, the Bible said we're, we're strong. Yes, it's, in, it's saying how frail, relatively speaking, we are. You're strong for a man or a woman, but you're not. It's still, you're going to be gone very fast, relatively. Verse 5, indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Well, is that true? He's been around forever, and we've been around for a few decades. That's pretty much, that is as nothing. Certainly, every man at his best state is but a vapor. And it says, Selah, that means think about that. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Amplified Classic, same verse, says, Lord, make me to know my end and to appreciate the measure of my days. What it is, let me know and realize how frail I am, how transient is my stay here. Verse 5, behold, you have made my days as short as handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing in your sight. Truly, every man at his best is merely a breath. Selah, pause and think calmly of that. The best state of a person on the earth, he's still just passing through. Does that, that apply to you and me, or is that just, you know, everybody that came before? That's us. We don't have that much time here. Time is our, precious, our most precious commodity. It's not money. Not even close. It's time. We only have so much time. And there's many times God says, you know, the Word says, don't heap up this stuff. You know, He says it just in a minute. People are heaping up material goods, but it doesn't mean anything. We need stuff to live. We're, God, doesn't, God knows this, but He said, don't put the cart before the horse. And what is important? It's important serving the Lord, doing what He would have us to do on the earth. There is nothing more important, and it all boils down to people. Loving people, serving people, helping people with their walk on the earth. We're all doing something. We, God cares about people. The people are the only thing that's going to survive this earth. And so they're the most important. And so whatever we do to serve Him in serving people is going to be important. It's going to be the thing that lasts. 
Verse 6, surely every man walks to and fro like a shadow. In a pantomime, surely for futility and emptiness he is in turmoil. Each one heaps up riches not knowing who will gather them. I'm saying you don't know everything that's going to happen after, that we're gone. So it says, you know, back to the part where it says even the person at his best, best is, a, is a mere breath or is a vapor. See, but, you know, I don't think it's any different than now. It's just, you know, you wonder kind of how many things are really, things aren't different like we said as far as people are people, but even certain um, aspects of society, you wonder, did that really blow up or is it just that everybody knows about it now? because social media, because of just the transparency that, that all the technology provides, is like, is this really more of a thing or is it just more exposed of a thing? But, you know, you, you see people walk on the earth and you're, in 2024, there's just so much, uh, you, you, you see, I mean, the, 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 the shrinking of all of society, you can see what somebody's doing halfway across the world, and, and it all kind of brings everybody together in a different way so you can see all these people and what they're doing. But it also, because stuff moves so fast, it just can give the appearance that things are different than they used to be, that people are different, and that people, you know, like it's talking about in their best state, that they are, they're, they're a vapor. When you see somebody, you can, it, it's tempting to look at people and say, well, I want what they have. I want it to be like that. It looks like they're doing something, so I'm going to do it like them and get their results and take our eyes off what the Lord would be telling us to do and start letting a man lead us. And it's easy to do that and easy to, to start supplanting what our time should be going toward and start substituting what somebody is doing. And for us, it may end up not helping our ultimate path where we're going. And so we'll have to go to Him and continually ask the Lord what we should do. James uh, 4.13 <clears throat> says, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go and to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So we ought not to... Uh, See, there's a line we can cross. We ought, we ought to uh, connect with what the Lord has told us to do and be staunch and strong on that. I, I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do. But there's a line you can cross uh, that we start getting into what he's talking about, boasting, where we're pulling out stuff that we got to make sure the Lord said it and that we're interpreting it right. And sometimes it's just better to keep our mouth shut and let stuff unfold because we may have misinterpreted and we're saying we're going to do this and we realized that's not exactly what the Lord was saying 
and so now we've said something that we're going to do that we're actually not going to do. And James is saying you can actually get into boasting. Even as people that believe things and that we believe what we say is going to come to pass, but you need to know it's God and not just haphazardly start saying, well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. How much have we seen of that in the last few years? And it hasn't happened. People say, well, this is going to happen. This person's going to drop dead, and this is not happening. So don't, we don't want to cross that line. We want to do what the Lord told us to do. There's a humility. James is talking about a humility saying, we're going to follow. You follow what God has told you to do. And he's saying, what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away? So we ought to say, whatever the Lord wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, call my own shots, I'm going to say I'm submitting to him. And I'm going to do what he says is important. You know, we need to have some, um, we talk about spending our time and doing what the Lord would have us to do. We need to have some margin in our schedules to be able to do what God asks us to do and not be so completely jam-packed busy that we couldn't fit something in sidewise if the Lord asked us to do something. Jesus always did what the Father asked him to do daily. He was only in ministry for three, three and a half years, yet he accomplished everything the Lord wanted him to do. There was so many needs, so many things to do, yet Jesus was led day by day to do exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. Sometimes he went with people, sometimes he didn't go with people, but there was just a divine flow to what he did. Now, I'm not saying we don't have routines. I'm not saying we don't have um, structure. We ought to, but that structure ought to be flexible in order to do what God wants us to do at any given time. If it's not, it means that we're serving something else instead of serving him. And notice I said flexible. Flexible means it's in a position, but it can flex to something else, but it comes back. Flexible does not mean just whatever. Well, I'm flexible. No, you're completely that. Some people think they're flexible, but they really have no structure whatsoever. Flexing means it comes back. If you have something that's flexible, it's in a position. You know, this is not flexible. You know, this is kind of, I don't have anything flexible up here, but it's that, that just go wherever. You can push it, not going to go, but you had, you know, you have like a, a piece of rubber. You can flex it, but it'll snap back. That ought to be like, our, we ought to have structure. We ought to, generally, this is what I do, but at your word, Lord, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll do this. Okay, this is more important. What would you, how would you know something's more important? The king is asking you to do something, and usually it's going to have to do with people, and what am I going to wish I would have done in 30 years? This other thing that I can't remember or this thing this person needs me now. People need you when they need you. Well, let me see. I can get you in in a week and a half, and they're in or something that you need, they need now. It doesn't do any good then. So 
So it's fine that we have structure. We ought to have structure. You're going to need structure to get stuff done consistently, especially if you're in an organization. Not everybody can just be like, what are we going to do today? I don't know. Let's figure it out. It's going to be really inefficient. But when something is like, hey, I need to take care of this. Excuse me. And you know what? It's amazing. Life goes on. It's amazing what people can get done without us. Sometimes that's a problem. We think we're indispensable. We need, we need to be there. It's amazing. People get stuff done anyway without us. But there's certain things that you don't want to draw. You know, here's the thing, uh, this illustration, with, which I'm sure many of you know, not new, not, not uh, unique. But, you know, life is like you're juggling balls and you're keeping them up in the air. Now, there are certain balls that are rubber. You drop them, bounce back up, you just keep juggling. Don't even, it doesn't make any difference. There are balls that could fall, that are going to take damage, and it's going to be, it's going to be hard to get them back into place, but you can do it. Then there are glass balls that if you drop them, it's going to be very hard to put them back. Those are the important things. And so there's, a, you know, big things that we do, but there's also things that we just, that are important in life that, hey, this needs my time, this needs my time, what am I going to do here, that we just need to be sensitive to, that we need to be conscious of. And the world is so distracted and so acting like, you know, so disconnected from this reality that you can go your whole life, be distracted, and never really touch on anything we're talking about here. Just keep going and really just keep distracting yourself with stuff. Doing this, doing oh, this busy, got to get that. Oh, I just can't. I just go and just, the years are just going by. Just got to, got to, got to do this stuff. Easy. So I want to look at what the Word says. Snap us back into what is true and what the Lord's saying. Let's look at this as we close. Uh, Luke 12, verse 13. <clears throat> Luke 12, verse 13 says, uh, Then one from the crowd asked him, Jesus, this is me, Jesus speaking, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, does this play out ever in life? <laughs> this could be, you know, this could be a recent thing. This, this happens all the time. Verse 14, but he said to him, Jesus said to the man, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now he's, gonna, he's talking about things, but I want us in the context of everything we're talking about, this could be anything that we put our attention on that's not what God has said, that's that's not important or not lasting, okay? In context, yes, he's talking about money and things, but it'll apply to anything because you could go and spend your time and your resources on anything that at the end of the day, it doesn't amount to, to much. So we could do this in any area. So this guy comes and interrupts Jesus and says, well, he came up to him anyway, whether he's talking or not, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. So he's concerned about how much money he's going to get from this current thing. You know, somebody died. 
And you tell Jesus, you tell him what to do. And Jesus said, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And then he starts addressing what's the real issue. And he says, beware of covetousness. One's life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You could say one's life doesn't consist in getting a bunch of knowledge in certain areas. Life's, uh, life doesn't consist in, you, in us getting so many connections just to have connections to move something else forward that's not the kingdom of God. Life does not consist in us having a certain physique just so that we can say we have a, a certain physique. We ought to have a, a good, healthy body to serve God. But man doesn't mean we can't, you know, have a healthy body and look good. It's just when it crosses a line to where we're really doing it for some other reason, we're wasting time because we know this body will go in the grave. And it ain't, it's not going to look good there. Yes. <laughs> nobody wants to look at it. The fact is, nobody wants to look at most of us anyway. We, we, we look at ourselves more in the mirror getting ready than more, most people ever care. And so if we go over a line where we're trying to serve some image that we saw on social media because I got to look like that, we, we want to be healthy, but we could cross a line where we're wasting time. Point is, anything we could start doing that now, is this going to last? Is this going to matter? Is this helping me on my race? Is this helping me to run? That'll answer a lot of questions. Does this help me? Is this helping me to go? Am I going to care about it in 30 years? Is it going to matter? Would Jesus say, yes, that's what you need to be doing? Or it would be like, it's a waste. Well, see, we have access to the Holy Spirit. So, they, so Jesus said, look, don't, don't look at the wrong thing. Life's, uh, one's life doesn't consist in abundance of, he's saying, possessions, but you could say in any stuff that really isn't something that Jesus said is important. Verse 16, then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. So he had good crops. And he thought it within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So don't let this be something that, oh, this is a guy in some agricultural society that's just building barns. I got so much money that I don't know what to do with. I got all this taken care of and this taken care of. I got more money than I'll ever need. I am set, is what we would say. Or I got this is so and so. Well, man, I got this moving and I got this built and I got these people. You know, I got all these connections and I got this and I, I have all these things and I am set in this area. And so verse 19, he says, what am I going to do? I'm going to build bigger barns. And then verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up to, for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Just means he's dying. God's not take God, there's a time people die, but it's not a time. God doesn't determine it. It just means you're going to die once. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. In other words, your time's up. Then whose 
will those things be which you have provided? In other words, your time's up. You don't even know what you're talking about. You think you're set and your time on the earth is done. And where's the stuff going that you thought was so important? You don't even know. You have no control over it because you're done. Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Again, context, talking about money, you could apply it in any area because there's enough scripture to apply it or to support it in any area. Anything we're doing where we're laying up stuff for ourselves or putting our what we want to do before what God want to do would fall into this category, not rich toward God, not following what he would have to do, us to do. Now, this should not be condemnation. This should not be legalism. This should not be religion. This should not be, oh, yeah, you're right. I got to do this and this. I feel so bad. And that's not going to go anywhere. You know what we'll do? We'll just bury our head and keep going the same way we're going. And we'll run away from God. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible, we're saying, what would God actually have us to do? Because if we truly believe He's Lord, and we truly believe He knows what's good for us, then we'll listen to Him and what He said now, because when it, everything is said and done, we ourselves will say, that was the right decision. We won't regret it. We won't say, oh, man, I just wish I would have done all this because that would have been so much fun. We'll say, thank God I did what God told me to do because I see the importance of what he said, and I'm so glad I spent that time and I was wise, redeemed the time doing what he would have me to do so I could go down that path, not be like this guy, but be rich toward God and say, Lord, now I didn't see everything coming forth. You know, I didn't, I didn't know everything ahead of me, but you knew. And I'm so thankful that I spent that time as wisely as I knew how. I sought you, and I spent it on what you would have me to do. And so now I look back, and I have true riches, true treasure. So every one of us has, like right now, we have the time. This year, we have time. And it's different for everybody. It's different for what, what, what we have in our lives, what God has called us to do. It's just going to the Lord and saying, Lord, anything I need to lay down? Anything I need to pick up? Am I wasting time? Am I doing it? Is, is my life aligned with what I believe you're wanting me to do? Are the things that I'm doing, actually, they're all culmination. They're, they're all going toward the right direction so that I'm actually serving you. And the Lord is so gracious. He's so merciful. He's so good. He'll show us what we can change. He'll help us to do it, and He'll do it in a way that if we'll trust Him, it can be done. And it'll stay. And it won't be something that will crush us. It won't be something that makes us give up. It won't be something that's de depression that's never from God. It'll be something that, yep, I got to do this. It may take some effort, but God and His mercy and His help will help me to do it, and I'll be further, and I'll keep taking steps, and I'll actually go down that path, and I'll be further later than I was now. And I may not be able to sew everything up in one day, but I'm in the process, and God's helping me, and I'm on the way. Like somebody said, I may not have arrived, but I've left. I'm on the way. And that's what we all are doing. Praise God.